This is the day. This is the day that the Lord hath made. God is not done with the Christian until he calls us home to glory. The Bible says, for to me to live is Christ, to die is gain. And for every believer, the best is yet to come. So much to look forward to, one day being with the Lord in heaven. But while we are still drawing breath upon this earth, God has a purpose for our life. Every single one of us have supernatural potential that can be unleashed and experienced in the presence and power of God. I don't know about you, but I've only got one shot at living this life. And my life is summed up with the dash between two dates. Let's not squander the moments that God has given us. But may God ever encourage us to realize, sure, maybe uh, you're 36, maybe you're 76. Listen, if you're still drawing breath, God's not done with you. There's a work that needs to be done, and we get to be a part of it. Amen? And the will of God is not just for young people and teenagers and children. It's for every single person in this room, every person who's joined us before we have live stream. Why? Because God is not done with you. By the way, God doesn't put anybody on the shelf. We put ourselves on the shelf. As a result of taking our eyes off of Jesus, losing that perspective and passion, priorities of God, him having preeminence, what happens is that it becomes all about me. And when I begin to take the reins of my own heart and life, it removes God and it kicks him to the curb. And that's why we find that verse there in Revelation 3 where he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, church of Laodicea. You've deceived yourself into believing that you're okay, that you've got somewhat of a semblance of revival because you're lukewarm. He said, but it's revolting to me. You're just going through the motions and you're absolutely blind. You can't see that you're naked and you're poor and you're destitute and you're in desperate need of divine touch. The sweeping moving of my spirit, you've kicked me to the curb and I'm standing at the door and knocking. Thank the Lord for God's mercy and long suffering. That even though they found themselves to be self-sufficient, God was still seeking after them. He said, if any man opened the door, Revival can commence with just one person. I'll open the door. Oh, God, sweep in my heart and life. Oh, God, sweep in my church. And we don't dare say that in a spirit of condemnation, looking down our nose at other brothers and sisters in Christ, but rather those who ask that and beg that and plead that and pray that realize they themselves need it desperately the most and the desire for God to do a work in their life, but also in the lives of them around them. Our self-centeredness puts us on the shelf. Our sin renders us unusable. God won't use a dirty vessel. May the Lord help us to purge the iniquities from our life as we'll get into in just a moment. My heart is so full tonight. My heart is pressed. I'm burdened for America, especially in light of all that's been commencing in our country. I don't know about you, but I feel like the fabric of reality is falling apart. Anybody else? Like it's being ripped at the very seams as it would with a garment. Notice what the Bible says. Uh, the preaching will get more positive. 
And I say that sarcastically. <laughs> it will, it will. Why? Because the Bible is here to build us up and edify us, amen? Sometimes we've got to tear down idols, and we've got to tear down idleness and several things. Um, apathy in order for God to do a work, and we're not accusing anyone of anything. We're just stating a fact um, concerning just the Christian life in general. But notice what the Bible says in Isaiah chapter number 1. This is what Isaiah saw. This is what God's perspective was for him. The vision of Isaiah, verse number 1, declares that he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. He saw his his country. He saw his capital. He was burdened about his country. He was burdened about the state of his generation and nation. The Bible says, notice in verse number four, a sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a seed of evildoers, children that are corruptors. They have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked the Holy One of Israel unto anger. They are gone away backward. Why? Why should ye be stricken anymore? Why are you inflicting yourself with pain and agony? More and more is what God is asking his people. Do we find some application here tonight? Do we find some relevance? Could it be even tonight? Taking this scenario and then copying and pasting it even upon the context of what's happening in our corrupt culture today? A sinful nation of people laden with iniquity, all of these things. And God is reasoning, please, why are you stricken yourself? You will revolt more and more. The whole head is sick and the whole heart faint. From the sole of the foot, even under the head, there is no soundness in it. But wounds and bruises and putrefying sores, they have not been closed, neither bound up, neither mollified with ointment. The state of this society was in a mess. I submitted to you tonight to not that our society is in a mess. We need the Lord, Holy Spirit of God. We ask that you'll help us. Lord, we have adults in this room that need you. I need you. Be with the children. Be with the young people. I pray that you would grab a hold of every single heart. Oh, tonight, with both hands, I mean this. God, I'm burdened. I don't know why, but you do a work. Begin in me. Please, I beg of you. I pray that you do the unconventional. I pray that you do the supernatural. I pray that you would sweep us off our feet spiritually and that you would press within us a sacred fire that would burn more than what it was when we walked in the building. Holy Ghost of God, we desire you to sweep and move among us. Please have free course with your word and do a work. We love you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Journey with me, if you would, to 2 Chronicles chapter number 7, verse number 14. How many of you are familiar with 2 Chronicles seven fourteen? Would you say amen? It's been six plus years since I've even referenced or preached from this text. You think, well, with a ministry like this, a revival, you'd think you'd be here all the time. The Lord has us going here tonight, and I need some more monitor on the volumes. That'd be uh, some more volume in the monitors, gentlemen. That'd be fantastic tonight, and that'd be wonderful. I'm going to preach from about right here and then just leave the knob alone. And if I want to increase volume, I'll bring it close or just bring it back. That'd be fantastic. Second Chronicles seven fourteen. Many of us have this memorized even, but instead of just quoting it from your mind, I would like for you tonight to look at this with your eyes and understand that the word of God is relevant for right now. His truth endureth to all generations. This is something that we need. The Bible says here in this text, if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will what? Heal their land. America is sick. 
America is hurting over 50% of marriages within the church in a lost world is ending in shambles and in ruin through divorce. Uh, all of the things in the cesspool of society of what's commencing across America were spiraling out of control morally and emotionally, financially, politically, spiritually. We need God. We need a healing. But notice the first word of this verse. If. If my people. This word if implies initiative. There can be forgiveness. There can be heaven hearing and answering and healing. But it starts with not the world, with not a heathen culture, but with God's people. It's fascinating, as you study revival history, every single time as you march through the, march through the generations and you see the hand of God moving, it started among God's people. Being refreshed and renewed and reignited, God shaking them to their core. God tearing down walls of indifference and formalism and ritualism and God doing something supernatural in their lives just like the veil was rent in the temple. God rending their hearts. We find that taught in the book of Joel, chapter number two, there's a great need for us to rend our heart and not our garments. There to be something genuinely and deeply done with him that is absolutely transformative. Let the inward affect the outward and not try to manufacture or manipulate something on the outside, but rather God in his presence and power manifest himself deeply within you and God transform you and God make a permanent change in your life. And every single time you study revival history, it wasn't a lost world coming by the droves to get saved. It started with God's people seeking him first. It wasn't a heathen culture repenting. It was God's people repenting. I ask tonight very br- briefly and very quickly, do we have initiative? How bad do you really want it? Does it consume you? I say this very carefully and respectfully, or could it be that we're more consumed with a career than with the crisis of our country? We're more consumed about a 401k or about this or that or the other than we are the state of our nation. Could it be that we didn't even spend but five minutes today in prayer for America? None of this being said behind the pulpit is to beat anybody over the head, but rather for God to burden our hearts to be his people that will band together and have hearts and minds and souls and bodies and lives aflame for Christ, uh, desiring to see the heavens rent and God unleashed. And the first thing that you obviously see in this text of 2 Corinthians seven fourteen is God's people. The fate of a nation does not rest with the infidel. It rests in the hands of God's people. Sodom and Gomorrah. There's many things that could be mentioned here tonight, but very briefly, Sodom and Gomorrah as a result of the intercessory prayer of Abraham, which is a separate topic, and thank the Lord that he was praying. We need Abraham's praying, interceding for mercy. 
And as that was transpiring, God said, listen, I'll spare these two wicked civilizations that rightfully deserve hellfire and brimstone. Look, lift up your eyes and look on the uh, horizon. You can see those sulfuric clouds uh, forming there about to rain down the sulfur balls and wipe that place off the face of the map and absolutely destroy everything within view in that green lush valley. But if I find 50, I'll spare it. All the way down to 10, we know the story, do we not? Sure, if there are 10 righteous people or 10 people that are all in, people that aren't going through the motions with religion, not 10 religious people, but 10 righteous people, 10 people that had a heart set for the things of God, whether it was popular or not, whether they could sense or see if they were making a difference or not, they had their hands to the plow. They weren't going to quit. They weren't going to throw no towel. They were going to stay after it, and they were going to stay faithful in a heathen culture that was in desperate need of divine intervention. If God found 10, he would have literally spared two civilizations that rightfully deserved wrath. The fate of a nation does not rest in the hand of the infidel. God is a God that is just and holy. Sin brings judgment. He is merciful and gracious, long-suffering, but there comes a point where God says enough is enough. By the way, every single time you find a message of judgment in the Bible, as he desires that message of judgment to be preached to a generation or to a nation, is because of mercy. Because if God didn't care, he would have never given a message of judgment. Get right before it's too late. If God, if God didn't give a rip, he'd just let the hammer fall out of nowhere. But you see, and we can read through these books of the Bible pretty quick, pretty quick. But this was a, this was a duration of time. This was sometimes even generations, multiple years even, of God being merciful and gracious, long-suffering. And church tonight, may we understand, if my people, do we have the initiative? Do we have the enthusiasm? How bad do we really want national revival? Do you even believe in national revival tonight? Do you even believe that America can be brought back to God? And if I stand here, and if you sit there, and we don't think in our minds that it's possible, we've already let the devil win because the sin of unbelief will hinder God from being able to move miraculously the Bible is full of that Matthew 13 58 and the Lord did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief that's just but one out of so many texts that could be given by way of application if my people which are called by my name there's a lot of meat to that but we're going to continue to move on tonight for the sake of time notice we see God's people number one but number two God's proposal God's proposal, if my people shall humble themselves. God's proposal, hey, we must be humble. Not me first, but thee first. Not the misinterpretation of John 3.30, which I'm concerned many Christians, including myself, can find ourselves saying it this way. Well, he needs to increase and I need to decrease. It's not what it says, folks. He must. What is that? That puts guts and grit behind it. We're going to stop at nothing until it happens. He must increase, but I must decrease. Can't you sense the urgency, the intensity? We must be humble. God resisted the proud, but He gave the grace unto the humble. The humble he shall, the Bible says, lift up. May the Lord help us tonight 
to swallow our pride and our arrogance and our self-sufficiency and seek the Lord in all his splendor and glory and realize that it is not us plus God that brings revival or restoration or reconciliation or redemption. It's God only. You cannot bring revival. Neither can I. We cannot save America, but God can. And what's so overwhelming is that God, I don't, this, my mind is blown. Seriously, I mean that. That God looks down and he wants to use us as tools and instrument in his hand to get that work done. You kidding me? Praise God. Now, do you really want it? If. And you can sit on, you know, here's, here's a pen right here. And I know we're belaboring and the clock isn't standing still, all right? But we've got some pens here, all right? We must be willing to be in the master's hand. Say, no, I, I don't want to write what, what I want to write, the story that I want to tell. You use me as you see fit. You know, as I'm using this pen, scribbling on this order of service here, like my artwork, kids, <laughs> that's the extent of what I can do, all right? I'm not even good with stick figures. That pen, as I was writing with it, I was not struggling. It was just doing what I wanted it to do. I'm concerned that many times we think that we need to be a part of the equation. We just need God. And we need to die to self and realize that it's him, not us. Humble ourselves. There's so much more that could be said to this. We all know that. Uh, We're just scratching the surface tonight by way of review. Um, I love what the Bible says in 2 Peter, to be stirred by way of remembrance. That's what the emphasis tonight would be, amen? To be stirred, like like, uh, to be be shaken and agitated is what the Bible means by that. Uh, to, To be made turbulent within, stirred by way of remembrance. The nation is sick. The nation is sin filled. The nation is corrupt. The nation is defiled and demonized and it's drifting away from the things of God. It needs the balm of Gilead. It needs the touch of the great physician. America needs healing. If, my people, it starts with you. Well, that's not for me. I don't care what you think. And I say that with all love, but that's kind of being coming out unfiltered with just a few hours of sleep last night. Normally, I'm not that harsh verbally. It doesn't matter what you think. Truth is truth, Period. Well, that doesn't fit for me. It's irrelevant. The Bible is truth. May the Lord help us to open up our eyes to behold wondrous things out of, our, out of his law that he wants to use us and thank God that we can be a part of this and be used of God to make a difference. If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves, God's proposal, we must be humble. Number two, we must be heard and pray. Let's seek the Lord. Psalm 55, 17, evening and at morning and at noon will I pray and cry aloud and he shall hear my voice. Praise the Lord that God hears prayer. And seek my face. We must be hungry. Seeking God. He's not complimentary or supplemental. But rather it is a spirit of desperation. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, Jesus Christ said, and his righteousness. Seek what God would have you to do. His way, his will, his word, his work. Seek my face. We must be hungry. How bad do you really want it? We've said that tonight. Uh, Number four underneath the second point of God's proposal, we must be holy. 
and turn from their wicked ways. The corruption and the carnality to repent of this sin. Holiness is not what you think it is or what I may define it to be. Holiness is what God has given us in his word. Righteousness is not our own good deeds. Our righteousnesses are but filthy rags, Isaiah 64. Righteousness, and here's a simple definition, is allowing, it's yielding. It's allowing the holiness of God as described in his word and defined by his character. Righteousness is allowing the holiness of God to fill us from the tip of our toes at the top of our head and then flow through us and affect our everything. We just read it this morning in devotions, did we not? Perfecting holiness in the fear of God. We'll never be sinless. We'll never achieve or attain sinless perfection. This word perfecting is talking about completing holiness. Is there a drive and a desire to be holy as he is holy? Could it be that there's a flippancy in this area and not a fervency? I'll wear whatever I want to wear. How dare you, sir, walk around the house without a shirt on? It's a shame for your child to see you naked. It's a shame for a brother to see his sister's nakedness and a sister to see the brother's nakedness. Put clothes on the kids. Run around the house naked with a diaper on like some person out with a loincloth in the jungle. Say, oh, you're trying to be silly. I'm serious about this. Be careful of the eye gate and the ear gate and the heart gate and the mind gate and the mouth gate. All the gates. Careful, God says, be holy. For I am holy. This is my state of being. I am the Lord. I change not. You know what God was for and what God was against 5,000 years ago, he's still for and he's still against today. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Your body and my body is not even mine. It's his. It's not my body, my choice. It's not my body, well, their choice, whatever the world wants me to do, I guess I'll go ahead and comply. It's not my body, God's choice. You see, that signifies that I'm reluctant. I don't want to acknowledge full ownership of what it should be. God's body, God's choice. And I will adorn it as he desires for it to be adorned. I will speak as he would have me to speak. I will think as he would have me to think. Whatsoever things are lovely, pure, and just, and all those things as mentioned in the book of Philippians, think on these things, the following verse then says, those things do. We're barely scratching the surface tonight, really not giving full thoughts, but I pray that God would just use what is coming forth to encourage us to pursue holiness. He is worthy of it, church. We must be holy God has not called us unto uncleanness, 1 Thessalonians 4, but unto holiness. And all through Scripture you can find this call of God to journey unto him and to be holy as he is holy. And God is saying, son, daughter, I, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not coming down to where you're at. I'll reach down and help you, but I'm, I, I'm not going to let you drag me down to your level. You need to come up to where I am. And modern-day Christianity is desiring to drag God down to their level. Why? Well, this, the, this is what I like, so this is just the way it is. Pride. 
well, I just, this is what I like, and so I'm going to just go ahead and watch it and do it and, and let it influence me or associate with it. Arrogance. Who do you think you are and who do I think I am? To have myself within me such a belligerent spirit fighting against the God of heaven. When Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up and heard those angels singing out, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, once he got the right view of God, he got the right view of self. Wow, look at God! And whoa, W-O-E, look at me. I'm a man of unclean lips. We get right with God to repent. This is a daily struggle, is it not, church? Every single one of us. May the Lord help us and strengthen us to pursue holiness and live that crucified life and a life that's committed under the cause of Jesus Christ. Let's conclude tonight. We see God's promise. God's promise. If my people shall do that, then will I. I shall hear from heaven. You realize that if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. But your sins have held these things from you and good things from you. Jeremiah 5.25. Isaiah 59 verse number 2. Your iniquities have turned his ear away from you that he will not hear. Sin is a very big deal. We could pray, by the way, for a revival and desire it for a hundred years. But if our hearts are not right with God, not resolved to seek the Lord, it's a waste of time. God's promise. I'm so thankful tonight. He will hear. He will forgive. He will heal. Verse number 15, and we're done. Now mine eyes, I love this verse, shall be open, and mine ears attend unto the prayer that is made in this place. God tonight is speaking to us here in this place. We see number four, God's position. God's people, God's promise. We must be humble, heard, hungry, Holy, God's promise, God's position. I love verse number 15. Don't stop at the end of verse number 14. 15 is so epic. Why? Because God is saying, I'm looking. I'm I'm, I'm looking for that person. Proactively seeking you as you're seeking me. I'm just waiting to hear the prayers. I'm just waiting to hear your heart hungry, desiring mercy and long-suffering and my hand of grace in your community and culture. I'm just waiting. God right now is standing with bated breath, held breath, saying, who is it going to be? Who can I find? How long will it take for them to journey unto me and to seek me? May it be now. God's position. I don't know about you. I got four kids. I want to get a hold of God. Sure, for my country, but for their sake. We're in a mess and we need divine intervention. And the divine intervention of God will only be made possible through the desperate intercession of his people starts with you and me. I pray tonight that God would help us. God would stir us. Have more of a sobriety about this thing. As we said a moment ago, the devil's not playing games. Neither should we. Amen. Never find a sleeping devil. May the Lord help us to not fall asleep. But to stay ever active. Always abounding in this glorious work we get to be a part of. Well, that's what God burdened my heart to preach tonight. I haven't preached from this text in six years. Praise the Lord. Amen. I may be another six years till I preach it again. I don't know. 
I'm just going to obey the leadership of the Holy Spirit of God. So many things left open-ended, but I believe that God has encouraged us. I pray that God has, has spoken to you. He stirred my heart. I need to seek the Lord. I don't pray enough. I don't pray enough. I need to pray more. I enjoy a beautiful relationship with the Holy Spirit. He's my best friend, the Lord Jesus Christ. Take it closer than a brother. God the Father, are you kidding me to be able to hold his hand? But may there ever be an increase in our lives to pursue him more. God, give us a passion. Not half-hearted, but wholehearted. Father, help us now as we seek your face in invitation. Sweetheart, would you come and softly play on the piano tonight? Lord, I pray that you would help us to be a people that will seek your face even more pray more, turn from our wicked ways. God, maybe there's things in our life, eye gate, ear gate, mind gate, heart gate, mouth gate, whatever it may be, senses, the influences that, that you've sought to put a, expose and put a spotlight on in our life. I pray, God, that you would help us to acknowledge that. And Lord, thank you for convicting us. You convict us because you care. You convict us because you want to use us and you're seeking to purify in yourself a peculiar people, Titus 2, verse number 14. Desire for us to be zealous of good works and God, seeking for mercy is a good work. We need it. We're at the crossroads. Thank you for your promise and position, but help us as your people to be engaged fully, sleeves rolled up, radically engaged in your proposal of what you have given us in this text. Hedge of eyes are closed. As a church family, let's stand.